he's called me as to be their mom and he's going to equip me. Mm. He's called, you know, Paige to be their dad and he's going to equip us. We don't have to try to be a black mom or I don't have to try to be a Hispanic mom. I can be me and my whiteness, but I can also be open to what the Lord wants to teach me um, Mm. through this experience, be open to people speaking into my life. Um, like you guys, when y'all you were speaking into our life as from from your culture and from your backgrounds and, and how important that is in our family and, and realizing that he's going to equip us mm-hmm. um, to give them everything that they need. This is everything. Left hands with the heavy reins. I ain't scared of the marriage thing. I ain't scared of the marriage thing. Had to say it twice on a mind. Welcome to the A More Excellent Way podcast with Dr. James and Nicola Hawkins. Here, we seek to inspire and equip couples and families to go about their relationship with God and each other in a more excellent way. Well, we definitely have a treat for you today. Yes, we, we do. have two of our friends from way back. <laughs> back <laughs> in ha- the days. Back in the <laughs> days, I'm telling you. And it's a sweet treat to finally be able to do this with them. We have Dr. Paige Brooks and Dr. Ashley Brooks. So we have a paradox. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, we do. Uh, doctor, doctor. Right, right. My little corny dad joke there. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Dr. Bless. Paige Brooks is an Army chaplain. Thank you for your service, sir. We appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And he is also a pastor of Canal Street uh, Church, a mosaic, uh, a mosaic community. He is also mission lead over the Mosaic Ministries, doing some beautiful things in New Orleans, connecting culture, people, and just really doing, I believe, the work of, of the gospel and reconciling all people to God under the banner of Christ. Mm-hmm. We also have his wife, Dr. Ashley Brooks, who was my former employer. Doc, thank you, uh, Ashley, for believing in me and giving <laughs> me a chance. Absolutely. That was a blessing. Yeah. Um, and, and Dr. Brooks is the vice president for holistic services and trauma-informed care at the Restoration Initiative for Culture and Community. And she's also the founder of Restoration Counseling Services in New Orleans. Man, you two bring a breadth of experience and are doing a a lot of work in the community. And we could probably talk agnosium about what you all do in the community in and of itself. But today we're talking about something that is very personal to the two of you, and that is your family, which we know that you love and care for a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. So you have been married for how long? 17 years. Wow. And you have. I'm I'm glad I let her answer that because. (laughs) I know I didn't prepare (laughs) for that question. I was going to make sure I was counting just right before I answered. Yeah, great answer. You know, we've been talking about doing a live counseling session on the podcast for a little while. So that could have turned into that moment. (laughs) (laughs) And y'all have three beautiful children and it's been great to watch them grow up and Mm -hmm. just to see them like, well, I remember when they were a little baby and they were learning to walk on the playground (laughs) yes man but beautiful and handsome and blessed are your children so yeah so just a little bit just so people can understand today's topic specifically is uh and i don't know if this is the best term but how you have adopted transracially i don't know if you have a better term for that and learning from you on what that journey has looked like. So can you just maybe give a like a, a word picture of the makeup of your family ethnically maybe? Yeah so our um, oldest daughter is African American and Hispanic, mm-hmm. and then our younger two children are African American. And of course, my wife and I are 
white as they come from uh, <laughs> from Georgia and Alabama. <laughs> yeah. Georgia and Alabama. Yeah, uh, I appreciate yes. that. Right. That's right. So that's that's that is the makeup there. And you know, before we got mm-hmm. on here, Paige, you were sharing an interesting perspective, just a little bit about where you grew up and the presuppositions you've had, and mm-hmm. and maybe how some of those presuppositions have changed over time. Can you talk about that with us? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up in um, Selma and Montgomery, Alabama, and just kind of looking back in my life and how I was raised, I was born in the late 70s, and so I'm really more of a child of the 80s, I guess you could say, but born in the late 70s and grew up in, uh, in Selma and Montgomery, and of course, that was the center of a lot of the civil rights movement. And uh, later on, right after college, moved to New Orleans to attend seminary. Okay. And then, of course, as we went through our, our time of, of being led to do um, a multiracial or transracial adoptions, God really just kind of started opening up my heart and life. Mm-hmm. So looking back in my own childhood to see uh, how was it that I was raised and how was it that you know, th- those those cultural presuppositions that were passed on mm-hmm. uh, by my family and by our community as a whole. And again, you know, realizing that certainly not everyone is is intentionally racist or anything of that nature, but this is just how what we call systemic racism is just mm-hmm. embedded in our culture as we do pass it on down to our, our children that, that I was confronted with a lot of those things as I was sharing earlier in, in pre-show talk mm-hmm. um, of now that our children are now in those ages where we're seeing them go through significant changes in their own developmental life physically, but educationally and, and intellectually and spiritually. Uh, it just causes me to go back and reflect, okay, when I was that age, what was I thinking? And why was it that growing up in Selma, that, that there was the the black side of town, there was the white side of town, there was right. the black churches, the white churches, yeah. you know, there were certain things you did, certain things you didn't do. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, and I'm thankful to God now that through our journey, that's going back and forcing me to consider how are those things still embedded in me and what are those ways that I still need to allow the Holy Spirit to change my heart and life because of some of those things that, that I grew up with. Wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Ashley, you, maybe you had a story in that as well to share about mm-hmm. what that looked like for you. Yeah. Growing up. growing up, I grew up in South Georgia, mainly through my middle school, high school years. And um, it was a majority or the, the community that I grew up in was majority white. There were, um, in, in certain sections. And so there were, obviously there was a, a black community and a white community and an Hispanic community. Looking back to now, I realized that going to school, when I was in school, um, I went to school with multiple races. Um, okay. But I realized that the majority of people that I was friends with, now looking back, worked very hard to become more like the white community in order to feel accepted. And so there was a piece of the reason that there was really never any class and culture or race was at that time was because they worked really hard to be more like us and so that we really didn't see a difference. Wow. And so, yeah. and which is hard for me to look back and realize that I probably really didn't get to know those friends that I really thought were friends. I, I didn't get to see a part of their life and I didn't get to see who they, like, who their family was. And, and my church community was majority white. Um, mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when we went to, you know, spend time with friends and family, it was at their homes and it was majority white. So I really wasn't faced with a, any sort of, um, racial differences until we, we moved here to New Orleans. And honestly, right. the full impact wasn't until we actually started adopting our kids. 
Mm. Right, right. That I began to really wrestle with the differences. Wow. Wow. So I just want I guess, thank you one for sharing those personal aspects of yeah. your story and that vulnerability is so beautiful um, about this journey that God allowed you. And I guess the part that hits me in that is, so now you've kind of gone through life and I get it. We all are kind of like, can be our culture that we're raised in. We just take it as is. Yeah. It's the without, norm. Without mm-hmm. questioning. It's yeah, the norm. That's what you saw. You breathe yeah. in. It was... Yeah. And it's not that, and I like what you were saying, Paige, it's not that anybody was intentionally doing anything wrong. It's just, we, Mm -hmm. we took life as it was, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I guess what I'm curious about and what I'm thankful for what you're sharing is what was that spiritual and emotional experience like as God began to help you see outside of what you had been raised in? Because I know for some people it can be disorienting and scary and bring up so much shame. And so then they end up, they end up almost wanting to fight against it or don't know, really know how to come into it. Yeah. What was that process like for you all that, that experience like for you all? I think for me, on the one side, acknowledging just God's sovereignty um, in my life and knowing that he's still writing my story. Yeah. Um, he has written it, he is writing it and is still writing it. And so uh, I, I trust him just on a, on a daily, weekly, yearly basis for kind of the journey that he's taken me on. And so I say all that to say that, you know, there's there's not a shame there per se, mm-hmm. but there's just an acknowledgement that, you know what, we live in a broken world mm-hmm. and uh, we all are products of that broken world. Mm-hmm. And apart yep. from Christ, then I'm not anything. And so just daily, regardless of whatever background we come from, regardless of it's this with racial issues or whatever else, I mean, mm-hmm. we just... We give it to Jesus, allow him to, to you know, Romans eight twenty eight turn around for the good mm. and uh, and to do something with it. And so mm. um, I think that's personally how I've had to deal with it. But then also using it now as a part of, of our story mm-hmm. to to really um, make an impact in, in everything we're doing. Because honestly, uh, as we'll tell about in just a minute, that with our kids, it was a wake-up call for us to want to see church done differently, mm-hmm. ministry done differently to see communities shaped differently. And, and so from that, that was the birth of our church plant, mm-hmm. um, of, of the nonprofit um, community development ministry that we've started, the, mm-hmm. the counseling center, that all of this mm-hmm. ties in mm-hmm. together so that we can try to bring about racial reconciliation. And so because of what God has done through mm-hmm. that, I'm, I'm thankful for it. And I'm just thankful that mm-hmm. God allowed me to see some of that and just to take that story from from for my childhood mm-hmm. and now use it for, for something that, that he completely is using. Right. Yeah. Such a I, redemptive. I think for me, uh huh. go ahead. No, I, I think, you know, for me, I tend to think through emotions. Um, and so I was thinking through like immediately, I remember being brokenhearted over the division. I remember being completely brokenhearted about at the time when we started adopting our kiddos, there were, more African-American and mixed-race babies that needed adoption because so few Caucasian families were willing to accept children that were different from them um, at the time. I think that has changed um, over the past 12 years since we've adopted. But mm-hmm. yeah. um, for us, it was a huge step and that it just broke my heart um, that there were so many families that were refusing children based on skin color and race. And, and so then it led me to this piece of lament Mm. Um, that, you know, I, I am in that culture, like I am lamenting how my, my race has caused so much pain, um, and so much hurt in the, in the races that are around me. And this, you know, we were all living in this, 
this country specifically, you know, if I'm just looking at this country, it caused lots of pain outside of this country as well. But in this this country specifically, I'm I'm looking at the pain that my race and my my family tree has caused, um, and that the lament and then anger mm-hmm. that came from that. I think I walked through a good bit of anger mm-hmm. um, of, of the pushback some that we got from adopting mm-hmm. um, multiracially and. And so I think there was a piece of um, emotional journey that I went through specifically as we began to walk this journey. Oh, thank you all so much for sharing that. I know that's personal mm-hmm. as well, too. And there's so many beautiful aspects to what you're saying. Like, even like you said, Paige, like, because we don't, because shame uh, can just make us want to go away and just kind of lick our wounds and say we're bad. But I liked how you put it into that biblical redemptive view. Mm-hmm. And like how mm-hmm. it's like this is where I was, but in God's great, great plan, I don't have to go away mm-hmm. and lick my wounds. I can actually, there can be restoration mm-hmm. with this. Uh, Absolutely. Like, yeah. I brought that yeah. in, right? Absolutely. Yes. Um, be restoration. In typical, typical fashion, I'll answer more in the, in the pastoral way. My wife answers more in the counselor way. And between the two, we kind of get to the, to the right answer. That's holistic, that. right, yes, Ashley? Yeah, holistic. you heard that, right? Right, right. But, but it is I true. Love you it. know, we, 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 just, we do feel those things. And, and yeah, you know, as I look back, I see where, man, you know, I wish I'd done that differently. Or I, I wish, and sometimes I do look back and realize I wish I'd had this, this awakening to it um, years ago. But at the same time, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for, for the journey that, that God has um, brought us on. And, you know, in talking about awakening, I'm just going to go ahead with that political reference about being woke. <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think the church term for it is, is Holy Spirit woke because uh-huh. the, the, in a Christian life, we need to be convicted over these things and we need to be challenged over these things. So yeah. it's not that I've been woke, but it's that, that I've been convicted uh-huh. of yeah. those things that need to be changed. Uh-huh. And then I'm just thankful that God has placed people in my life and that God has brought a community around us to where we can work to, to, uh, to, to make a difference. So the political term might be woke, but I think we do really need to have a Holy Spirit conviction about mm-hmm. it, but also a Holy Spirit prophetic voice to where we do want to seek out change and work for that change. Yes. Yes. Because I I think too, with that, the difference with the woke and Holy Spirit woke, right? Because one, you can, you know, lean more into uh, all the shame and all that stuff. And, and then the, I need to do this in my own strength and I'm going to conquer all these Mm -hmm. other parts and I'm going to make these things, you know, just and right and all of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think there's some good in, in some of that, but that could be limiting in and of itself, but just being able to lean into, okay, Holy Spirit, you've shown this to me and it's, it's open Mm -hmm. to me now lead me in it. That way I don't feel so overwhelmed and so undone. And you know what I mean? It kind of gives you that breath or the, the, when it gets hard, I can still have the strength to move on further and, and do the next step because the spirit is, is guarding me and guiding me and keeping me in and through it all. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, and thank you, okay. Ashley, too, for that yeah. piece about talking about the different uh, pieces of emotion that you did have to go through. And thank you for the lament. Yes. That's often a big piece yeah. that we miss here. Why sometimes, and you know, we're getting into even a bigger topic, why we can't do uh, reconciliation across whatever line, but we're talking about ethnically here. Right is because people right. have to be able to enter into pain for there actually to be healing. And we know that many times when people feel pain, our response hey, is back away from shrink it. Shrink back. Leave it, <laughs> you know, which so. then creates more pain. So thank you for that. And talking mm-hmm. about the willingness to lament mm-hmm. and then talking about the anger that once you did, in a sense, like Paige would say, you got woke, <laughs> then it can create this, <laughs> yeah. like, oh my gosh, how could my people not see this? What are you doing? What's wrong? Mm-hmm. And then, And then now it's personal to you. 
because these mm-hmm. are your I've seen you these and how babies. you exactly I've seen <laughs> Ashley babies. nurture her babies <laughs> <laughs> and so now that's the part I think I love about you two and your story what I'm hearing is it's not like somebody had to come and like make you feel guilty or feel bad as white people to make you do something differently Mm-mm. but it became a personal part of you and then you took it and you ran with it on your own and you didn't run with it because it's some political hype thing because you two part of your story is you did start doing this before it became more accepted i would say right yeah before right. It was. Um, right yeah right. you two took it as a personal call from god and it was a mantle you felt had been placed on you and you're carrying it um faithfully and i mean you and ashley like i'm about to say ash um uh got introduced separately but I, for for me Ashley I remember being in a cafeteria and you approached mm-hmm. me <laughs> you're like can I ask you yeah. this may be a dumb question but can I ask you do you do your own your girls you know your your girls hair on your <laughs> own <hair>. and <laughs> and I was like yes I do I mean I noticed you and I noticed your cute little baby you know um, but you approached me and so that whole yeah. you know being willing to go beyond what what you knew and you, you wanted to do yeah. something for her and learn what it is to do her hair and for her to be and look, you know, to, yeah, yeah it represent, I don't know what words I want to use it's right a real there, but struggle. that struggle was there. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I, need, I needed help. But yeah. um, you were willing to reach across from what you knew and say, let me get some help, you know, and that's a huge part of, of, intertwining your lives yeah yeah and because I, I think I got to a place where you know there was that you talking about that shame and that guilt I can either hide in my shame and guilt and try to do it on my own and and with that pride because that there's a pride piece there even in the midst of not knowing if I'm too prideful to admit that I have no clue as to what I'm doing mm. um then that's that's not gonna hurt that hurts my children mm. um in that that piece and I was you know I can't just be a, a white mama trying to do you know hair the way that I learned how to do hair when that just doesn't work and so it was a you know it was kind of going I have no clue what I'm doing and mm. I need help mm-hmm. and reaching out to you at that moment and going you know and I remember very distinctly um <laughs> the piece of me go it, like that that delved us together. I remember very distinctly. I'm like, yes. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm yes. so thankful mm-hmm. that you came alongside of me and walked with me in, in mm. some of that journey with me. Okay. Yeah. The word I'm even so hearing, important. Yep. And the word I'm hearing right now that I want to jump in with is that took some vulnerability for you because as a motherly yeah. instinct, of course you want, I'm going to, I know what to do for my Let kids. Let me do all the things for my baby. Yes. So to have to go That's into right. that vulnerability and say, I don't know. And to ask, allowed mm-hmm. Nicola to come into your world and to care. But mm-hmm. also I'm, mm-hmm. I think that word vulnerability came up for me too, because that's also where you and Paige are in your journey of like, Hey, this is what we were raised knowing and understanding, but you have approached it with vulnerability of asking people of multiple Outside ethnicities of and socioeconomic yes. statuses. Mm-hmm. Hey, help me understand what this means. This is a call God has given us, but we don't know it all. And mm-hmm. we need to invite other people into yeah. it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so I guess I want to transition that to now also, what does that mean with your kids? And like, what one thing I've appreciated about you all, you've never hidden their story from them. Not that you could, right? In some ways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty yeah. white, man. If you haven't seen me. <laughs> I mean, we have had people ask us if our children know that they're adopted. Which at that point, I just kind of have to look at him and laugh. But, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that they do. <laughs> no, but, they no, they don't. I appreciate so still in that vulnerability piece is you're so open with the discussion with your kids mm-hmm. that your kids can talk about how the world is perceiving them, how they're perceiving themselves and the struggles they're having. So I guess it's, you know, what does it look like to do this vulnerably with your children and allowing them to talk about their struggles, maybe ethnically, and yeah. then you showing that vulnerability to them about when you don't know or what your past experience has been like. I don't know. Just what does that vulnerability look like with you making your, allowing your kids to have that comfortability to talk to you about this? I think each one of our children have had and will continue to have their pieces where they really struggle with their story. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that for our oldest, um, she got to a place where she was just struggling with the fact that she has a birth mom um, that is of, you know, a Hispanic culture and race. Like she avoided Hispanic culture for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden she just began to wrestle with that part of her. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where she was like, I, mom, do you have pictures of my birth mom? And I did. Um, and so she was able to create a locket that has a picture of her birth mom on one side and a picture of me on another side, um, which allows her to carry both of her, both her birth mom and her adopted mom, you know, next to her. All the parts um, of her. That's right. Yes. That's right. Our middle one, she wrestled a good bit. We created books for, um, I remember our, so we kind of we did, and she slept with her book for a while. Like we would go, and she would sleep with it underneath her her uh, pillow, uh-huh, and uh-huh. she would have us read it to her. It had a picture of her birth mom. It had a picture of the story of how we adopted her um, in it, and so we would read that. I think she probably has it memorized now, but mm-hmm. um, so she slept with that, um, and still struggles to this day. I think a little bit with that piece. Our youngest hasn't really gotten there yet. He's a boy. So that, mm-hmm. that piece might come a little bit later for him, but he does struggle a good bit with, you know, I wasn't here when I was born. Like, what does that mean? Um, and kind of wrestling with that piece of, you know, my, my birth mom was, was black, you're white. Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Um, and yeah. so what does that mean? Um, and so he, he's like, I'm not white. No, baby, you're not. Um, and so kind of going back and forth um, with them and allowing them to wrestle with that and be okay, like be, me being okay, me realizing I don't have to have all the answers for them mm-hmm. um, right now. I don't have to have, there's no really right answer for me other than I love you and your birth parents loved you enough to make decisions that were the best decisions for you at that time by giving you up for adoption. And so mm-hmm. um, because they knew that they couldn't give you everything that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to give you. And so mm-hmm. it was those those pieces of helping them wrestle with that and allowing them to wrestle. And ours just has, I think all adopted children do that same wrestling piece, mm-hmm. but I think ours has an added layer of race right, to it and right. culture um, that others don't have. Wow. And I think what I love and I think the lesson I'm hearing in this too is as I've walked this journey with you all, what I've liked is you always honor the birth mom 
Yeah, um, you have. And what I think is also beautiful in that is because when you honor her, because what I've learned about kids is kids are always working to make meaning of the world, even when we don't know that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. And so by right. you honoring their birth mothers, because what happens, I think what I've seen for helping some kids you know, in transracial adoption is they're under the under the hood, kind of like always like they're watching and like, what are my parents who have adopted me, who I love and I believe in and I trust? How are they treating other people who look like me? Uh huh. Uh-huh. And what are the things that they're saying about them? And as they watch that, so we've even, you know, I think a sensitive one is even when President Obama was in office, you know, these kids are looking and they're watching, they hear the parents and probably for, for not racist reasons at all, but they're hearing them say negative things about him. But then they're also saying, but he looks like me. So how do you feel about mm-hmm. me or people who look like me? Right. And right. sometimes they have a hard right. time separating that out because whether we like, like y'all were saying, like culture is always sending messages based on skin color, whether we recognize it or not sometimes. Yeah, that's true. Also, I think you two are doing a good job with that and your intentionality about teaching them and your church structure and the people that are in your home eating meals. Your children get to see that you honor people of every ethnicity, including people who look like them. Mm-hmm. So, right. so that way they're not getting this negative view from media or culture about their ethnicity. Go ahead, Paige. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that's a part of the heartbeat of what we're trying to do is that we are moving into a more multicultural world. And so I think it's incumbent upon us to make sure that our kids, but I think any parent and any mm-hmm. any child, mm-hmm. that we, we instill in them that, that worldview, the biblical worldview um, of how do we see other folks through the eyes of Christ, mm-hmm. uh, that, that every person is made in the image of God. Uh, we may, yeah, they may look different from, than us. They may look very much like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they may even have a, a lifestyle that's very different than us. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at, at the base of it, you know, they're still made in the image of God. We that's may right. disagree with them that's biblically. Right. We may disagree with them for those reasons, mm-hmm. and, and we don't have to compromise on that. But again, at the base of it, they're still made in the image of God. And, and this is, you know, this, this is a part of that, that even just the change in talk like for me, just to kind of give a practical example mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, and sometimes cases like this where growing up in the deep South, we would say, oh, well, that's the way that population lives uh-huh. or those are the problems that mm-hmm. they have they on that do, side yeah. of town yeah. or something. Right. They. Yeah. You know, that, that the other, the that other you does. don't name <laughs> uh-huh. or, the, or you just give a pronoun to it. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, some of their parent, their birth parents might have come from that population, but at the same time, that wasn't necessarily the story with all of their birth parents. And mm-hmm. so we, we're just trying to show them that, yeah, we can love and honor mm-hmm. every person That's um, right. and not bring in the, the presuppositions that our culture gives us mm-hmm. to really try to approach people with the spirit of Christ. That's right. First and foremost, to get to know them before forming those presuppositions. That's, that's beautiful. good. That's beautiful. I mean, that's just hitting on all the questions we even like really had for you all. Really, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. man, that's good. There's so many nuggets in that. Um, yeah, thank you all so much for just sharing this story. It's been a blessing. But I guess you know, in this to- this time, we're going to make that transition to. Excellent points. And we've kind of prepared a question for them in excellent points. What would y'all want to say to maybe inspire and equip the mother and father who are listening to this right now that maybe they are about to maybe go into adoption and they're wondering, should they be open to transracial adoption or maybe they've already done it? What would you maybe say to inspire and equip? Um, I think the thing that really stands out to me is that 
the Lord has placed these children in my home. And so he has a plan for them in which this experience of being in a multiracial family or black, being a multiracial child or a black child growing up in a white home plays a part in their life. But then also the fact that if he's placed them in my home, he's called me as to be their mom and he's going to equip me. Mm-hmm. He's called, you know, Paige to be their dad and he's going to equip us. We don't have to try to be a black mom or I don't have to try to be a Hispanic mom. I can be me and my whiteness, but I can also be open to what the Lord wants to teach me um, mm-hmm. through this experience, be open to people speaking into my life. Um, like you guys, when y'all, you were speaking into our life as from, from your culture and from your backgrounds and, and how important that is in our family and, and realizing that he's going to equip us Mm-hmm. Um, to give them everything they need mm. um, and that I don't have to try to be better. You know, obviously I'm going to always work to honor and glorify God. I'm always going to work to better myself, but I don't have to be anybody that I'm not right. in order to raise these children. Um, and so if he's called you to this, he's going to equip you. He's going to give you everything you need. He's going to give you the people around you that you need um, in order to be able to do this thing called uh, transracial adoption. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's good. Hey, you got anything for us? Are you good? No, what she said. <laughs> <laughs> that's Just she's, uh, uh, I can't add anything else. I, I totally agree. And that's the journey the Lord's taken us on. It's been wonderful. I wouldn't trade any of it for anything at all. No. Awesome. Nicole? Thank you guys so much. There are so many parts in here that we can all learn from. And I think ultimately, you know, when we're looking at and talking about transracial adoption is Ashley just said, you know, um, being willing to know one, being willing to go into uncomfortable spaces, being willing to take on Mm -hmm. what it means for, you know, for you to adopt transracially and also not losing your own sense of um, self that you have and God will equip you with what you need to raise your, your beautiful babies, you know? And so Mm -hmm. I'm just so thankful to hear how God has drawn you closer to him through this process and so that you can be open to him and be open to what it means for your children to process being in a interracial family and and ultimately that we're all made in God's image and so there's that beauty in there I'm so thankful and grateful and blessed by you guys and I know this your sharing will bless other families who are taking in this um, podcast today uh, so for our listeners thank you for listening and I share this with others who are in your community and who are transracially adopting and God bless you guys and all your restorative and redeeming work that you are doing guys we love you thank you thank you thank you guys appreciate it Mm -hmm. We hope that you have been inspired and equipped to go about your relationship with God and others in a more excellent way. Please subscribe to our podcast and rate us on iTunes. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at A More Excel Way. And check out our website at A More Excellent Way Relationship.com. Visit KLRC.com to learn more about The More Excellent Way.